Ciao, Bella. I am Oceana Fortuna, and this is the Breathe, Love, and Magic podcast. We'll talk about a magical mix of mystical methods, including everything that works to live your best life, grow spiritually, and maybe find love. Open your heart, expand your mind, and connect with spirit to embrace the magic that is all around you. If you enjoy the show, please give it a thumbs up or write a glowing review and subscribe so you'll know when the next episode is available. And may good fortune come to all those who listen to the Breathe Love and Magic podcast. And now, on with the show. Today's topic for the Breathe Love and Magic podcast is intuition. This is something close to my heart in my life. I've worked very hard to build this skill. I'm not sure why it was so difficult for me to break through. It took like seven years before I could really count on what I was getting. However, I will tell you that I've never run into anyone else that it took that long for. So it must have been karmic. And don't worry if you're looking to develop your intuition. I'm sure it'll be much easier for you. I took lots of classes to try different methods and practice them. The idea is that practice builds your intuition just like exercise builds muscle. The more familiar you get with the process and how information comes to you, because it's very individual, the more comfortable you'll be and feel that you can trust it. The ability to rely on your intuition is such a wonderful thing. This is how you can make decisions without wavering or feeling confused. Once you trust yourself to get the answers you need, much of life's struggles sort of dissipate or certainly lessen. It's not always easy. Feeling highly emotional does tend to hinder your openness and gets in the way of hearing messages you want and need. A feeling of calm is the foundation for getting accurate answers and information. So I was always finding yet another class to take, hoping something would work for me and I would break through and be able to use my intuition all the time. And I did find methods that helped. Some things work better than others. It's good to try a bunch and see what works for you because everyone gains their insights differently. I took psychometry classes, which involved holding the object of somebody else, like a ring or a bracelet, and you get a feeling of the energy, and that's a stepping stone to getting answers for another person. When you hold the item, it has that other person's energy imprint. So it helps you tune into their energy and then get information for them. I also studied shamanic journeying, which was more a visual process, and the drumming helps you to go a lot deeper and focus within to seek answers. So I took the shaman workshop. It was really good, and we had a very cool exercise. So there was a group of us lying down um, in a circle on the floor. I don't know if there were 10 or 12 of us. We all had our feet pointing into the circle and our heads pointing out. Before we did lie down in this formation, we each had to pick a specific question for ourselves, something we wanted help with or greater clarity on. So we picked a question that we wanted answered. Next, the shaman leader played the drum in a rhythmic way, and we journeyed into our own imagination to find the answers for the person on our left. Yeah, we didn't go in to get the answer to our own question. 
we went in to get an answer for our neighbor to a question we didn't even know. I couldn't believe this. And that requires some trust, right? So, of course, I felt really worked up because what if I didn't get anything? What if my answer was wrong or I sounded like an idiot? The exercise brought up a lot of fear and self-doubt. It just felt so risky to do this, which is exactly why this was such a good lesson in trusting myself and the universe and the grand design. The results for everyone in the group were amazing. I was shocked by the exercise because we were all novices, yet the process worked incredibly well. We all got answers to questions for the purpose for the person on our left. Even though we had no idea what we were looking for or what we were talking about or what they had to uh, add as a question, the information was just like coming out of the blue and it worked. And I got a fantastic message from my neighbor and uh, it was totally on target about how to handle my boss in a work situation and I followed the advice to a T. It was so wonderful. I could feel how right the answer was before I even tried it out. So I felt pretty comfortable knowing this was a good move to make. When it was my turn to share in that circle, to share the answer that I received for the person on my left, of course, I was a nervous wreck and I was worried I'd embarrass myself. However, nothing like that happened. I provided an answer that gave the person the information they needed. And the same thing happened for everyone else in the group. Believe it or not, everyone got an on-target answer. Everyone succeeded. Every time I participated in group work like this, I reinforced and strengthened my ability, and it helped me believe that my intuition was real. This is how I got comfortable with delivering details and insights, providing information and helpful solutions for not only myself, but for my friends and eventually for others too. Another event that made a really big impression was visiting Lilydale, New York. And in case you've never heard of Lilydale, this is a spiritual community near Buffalo, New York. They all live on the property for about six months or seven, I'm not sure, and then they Many of them traveled to a sister community in Florida for the winter, which if you live in Buffalo, that sounds like a good idea. This, honestly, this was one of the coolest places I had ever been where everyone was involved in their spiritual development. It's a spiritualist community, so they might have some different ideas than you do, but it doesn't change how cool it is. They have a healing temple. And they had something called message service. This service was basically um, a whole bunch of different psychics who would stand in the front of the group of visitors. And they had like visiting psychics who would come on the weekends. And they would share messages they were receiving while looking into the audience. So if they noticed somebody and they got a message for them, then they would give the message to that person. And maybe they would give two, three, four messages and then the next psychic would come up. It was really, really amazing. The psychics randomly picked people from the audience. It was just random how they gave their messages out. And so I was advised the best way to get chosen was to wear a really bright color or something that stood out. So I would stand out from the crowd. 
And I got to tell you, that worked for me. I only knew one person at Lilydale, yet both times I went to the message service with my friend Sandy, I received a message. And there were, I don't know, a few hundred people there. So not everybody got a message by any means. It was a, a small percentage. The message I remember was outrageously specific. None of this really vague stuff. I had had a fight with one of my best friends, and I had written her a letter to explain my point of view, but I wasn't sure if I should really send it. And I'd been mulling this over for mm, at least a week, and I just wanted clarity on whether I should mail it or not. And of course, there were other things on my mind too, but this was one that I got an answer for. So the woman standing in front of the audience pointed to me in the bright pink shirt and said, you have been thinking about sending a letter to a friend and we want to tell you to go ahead and mail it. She will hear what you have to say and be open to talking about it. Now that is not some vague message. It's not something like you'll have a prosperous year or someone with a name starting with the letter G is thinking about you. Not that those things might not be fun or helpful, but this was very specific, fantastically targeted to me and what was on my mind. I'm like, how could that be? This experience really worked to strengthen my desire to learn how to use my intuition and make me work even harder so that I could have full use of it, a good grasp of it. So on a side note, I also learned never play Trivial Pursuit with a bunch of psychics. <laughs> this is silly, but every time I was foolish enough to read the answer on the back of the card to one of the questions, the other team always guessed the answers correctly. They could totally read my mind. So if you ever play Trivial Pursuit with a bunch of psychics, don't read the answers <laughs> to the questions. It was amazing. Okay. So if you ever have a chance to visit Lilydale, go for it. It's an experience like nothing else. And the place is really quaint, like these little gingerbread type houses and a fenced in community that's all spiritual and filled with cool people and readers and healers and teachers and crystals and more. Great fun. Now I'm going to talk about five types of intuition. Seeing, hearing, feeling, knowing, and channeling. I'm going to explain them. So people get their intuitive information in five different ways. Usually a person will have tendencies towards one particular method or two. Some people use a variety. I have experienced all five, but I'm going to share more about that in a minute. Method number one, clairvoyance. Some people see things in their mind. They see symbols or pictures or even something that's like a little movie. This is clairvoyance. Having the ability to see things in your mind's eye or sometimes with your eyes open that other people can't see. The pictures can be crystal clear, vivid, and very real. Or you might just see the wisp or impression of something and it might be a little murky. This could mean you're still honing your skill or that the information is a bit elusive and not quite clear yet, or not decided yet. On a rare occasion, I have seen things with my eyes wide open. I mean, things that weren't physical. For example, at my mother's funeral, after I delivered the last piece of the eulogy, because 
everyone in my family said something and the service came to an end, I was the last one standing. And so it was basically over. And when I was done talking and people had started filing out, I turned around and looked behind me to see the stage because we weren't on the stage. And sitting there in the center of the stage, right up front, dangling her legs over the edge of the stage was my mother. So I didn't actually see her there like she was a physical form, but I got the impression of her sitting there. And somehow, you know, that image was really in my brain more than it was. It it certainly wasn't physically there, but I saw her on the stage. No question about it. Definitely my mother. And I was surprised to see her sitting there. So I said, mom, are you sitting on the stage? And she replied, why not? It's my funeral. Good point, mom. She made me laugh. So sometimes you can actually see things. Method number two, clear audience. Another way to tap into your intuition is to hear spirit talking. It's like holding a conversation in your mind with someone who is out of body or in the spirit world. Or it could also be your higher self. The voice you hear might not identify itself, which is why you want to always start the process by asking for the highest spirits available, those that are whole and healed. And this is true no matter which method you use. Always get clear and ask for the highest spirits available and the highest information available. That's my rule. Sometimes a group of disembodied spirits or a collective will approach a person and offer their support to anyone who will listen. They claim to come from other galaxies or they could be more earth-related too. So sometimes it's not just one spirit that you're hearing from. Clairaudient and clairvoyant are two of the most common ways people connect with their intuition or communicate with spirit. And the good news is anyone can develop these skills. We all have the ability to do this, but most find one way easier than another. As you practice, you'll discover which is better for you. Method number three, kinesthetic. Kinesthetic means to learn through physical activity. But when we're talking about your intuition, this is about what you feel. You may get sensations within your body that tell you something is up or provide information about something or a situation. This can be your gut instinct. You just feel it in your gut. It could be like butterflies or a heavier feeling depending on the topic and the message. With practice, you will come to better understand what each of the feelings mean. It's very specific to you. Method number four, knowing. When it comes to knowing, this intuitive method you get the entire message like a chunk of information all at once. Some people refer to this as a download, as if a block of data is being received. It's really an amazing experience when this happens, especially the first time. If this turns out to be a good way for you to receive answers to your questions, it will most likely start after you've been practicing with your intuition for a while. You will need to be fairly open for this kind of transmission to occur and to be able to retain the details as well, because it comes all at once. The download or knowing form of intuition is less common, but don't worry. 
If you never seem to have that experience, there's other ways you can use your intuition. You have plenty of other options. However, now that you've heard about this, it might turn out that you become more open to it. Method number five, channeling. When you act as a channel, you have found a way to step aside internally and allow another to speak through you. Another spirit uses your body and voice as a vehicle to convey, convey their information. This is not like being possessed, so don't worry. You are always in charge and can simply open your eyes and stop to break the connection. Channeling is done with specific intent. You are allowing another high-level energy in, but you are always the gatekeeper and get to make this choice consciously. I started channeling after I took Reiki Level 1, and this was in the seventh year, and that's how I counted those years. So I did finally start channeling after getting Reiki attunements. There's a 21-day activation process that comes after you've gone through the attunements when you take the class, and that elevates your energy. So for me, after seven years of practicing my intuition and then getting the Reiki attunements so I could learn and use that healing modality, I was surprised to discover I could channel. It felt like whole sentences wanted to be spoken, but I know it wasn't exactly me or directly from my own mind because the word choice did not sound like me. It was different, more formal. At first, I would wait to hear the entire sentence before speaking it. However, in a few days, I came to realize that the information would flow a lot easier if I just let it out and said it as it came to me without having to know what was going to be said next. Waiting actually stopped the flow of the information and interfered with it. I had friends ask me questions about their life, and I did my best to get out of the way and allow the answers to flow through me. It was scary and exciting and foreign and really weird, and I loved it. People always want to know who you are speaking for if you're channeling. Now let's talk about a few of the most famous channelers. Seth was channeled by Jane Roberts. She published her first book in 1970. And um, I'll never forget Ramtha, who was channeled by Jay-Z Knight, who also came to the public eye in the late 70s. She was a lot more commercial and put on more of a show. She appeared on Oprah and Merv Griffin and more. Today, you might be familiar with Esther Hicks. She channels Abraham. That is a consortium or a community, a collective that focuses on teaching the law of attraction. And then there's also Cryon channeled by Lee Carroll. And Cryon says he's of magnetic service, whatever that means. But I think both of these channelers do a pretty good job of bringing forth information that you can count on and trust for the most part. I mean, you always have to use your own sense of what right and wrong, what feels good to you, etc. You always have to be making your own choices. Never take anybody's word for it just because they're disembodied. That's not a sign of anything. All right, sometimes the channel falls into a deep trance to allow the entity to take over temporarily. But for others, it's simpler transition. It may have to do with the frequency of the energy. I'm not exactly sure why that is. For myself, over time, I noticed 
the energy never quite felt the same from person to person. And my channeling is related specifically to personal development for the individual only. So I can't answer big questions on history or global issues or politics or make big predictions. That's not how the information works with me. My information or the information that I channel comes through on a deeply personal level for people who are doing work to advance their spirit. That's really what it is. So for this reason, it took me years to come up with exactly who I was channeling because people would ask, well, what's the source of your information? And I'd be like, spirit, but that wasn't specific enough for some people. But I finally figured it out. And it turns out that I channel other people's spirit guides. And that's why the energy never felt the same. And that's why the information is all about that particular individual rather than making some big statements about whatever's happening to society. So um, eventually I did work at psychic fairs. I had a friend who was running psychic fairs. And at first I worked only delivering um, past life readings because that's what I felt comfortable with. And I never thought of myself as a psychic and I'm not your typical psychic and I don't tell fortunes. And if somebody comes in front of me and says, what do you see in my future? I get nothing because that's not personal development work. It's just how spirit works with me. Come to me who want to work through and help people advance spiritually and do their spiritual development. So so if people came to me at the psychic fair and they asked me about their job or about their boss or about love or about their health or about work or, or any family, whatever it is, they were asking specific questions about themselves, then generally I did get an answer for them. But I have to tell you, the first time I worked at the psychic fair as a psychic and not a past life reader, was like so outrageous because my friend who was running the show had two psychics who didn't show up and she intuitively felt that it was going to be a very big night. And it was over 450 people came to the psychic fair that night, which was insane. And so she said, you have to be a psychic tonight. I need you to do readings. I'm like, I can't be a psychic. I'm not a psychic. I don't do psychic readings. It doesn't matter. You have to do it tonight. <laughs> there was no saying no to this woman. So I said, okay. And there were 24 slots because there were four 15-minute slots per hour and six hours, hence 24 slots. And I did 22 readings in that time. <laughs> I didn't even have time to go to the bathroom. So it was crazy. And what happened for me was I had no time to doubt myself. Like, the person had paid, they're sitting in front of me, and I have to come up with answers. So there was no time to go, I don't know, is this right? Does this feel right? Should I say it? Should I? I just had to say it, say it, say it, say it. I had to push myself to give information and deliver answers regardless of how I felt about it, regardless if I was nervous or worried or not sure it was going to work. And for the most part, 22 people left my table with answers to their questions. It was an 
the most amazing, outrageous, crazy experience. Definitely got thrown into the fire. And I don't recommend it, by the way. But I certainly got over not trusting myself. That was definitely a byproduct of getting thrown into the fire. So anyway, I just wanted to share that um, fun memory with you. So um, sometimes you just want to get questions answered for yourself, and that's totally fine. You might not want to take that next step and start giving other people information, or maybe you're just going to do it amongst your friends and that's or your family, and that's totally fine too. I'm not here pushing anyone into working at psychic fairs, <laughs> um, you know, and I don't do that anymore. But it was an experience, and I did learn a lot. All right, so let's move on. I want to share. Two really simple ways for you to tap into your intuition and use tools or props that can help you connect. These tools make it easier to get an answer while you're still in that practice space. And sometimes I go back to using tools like this when I'm really emotional because these are simpler methods that feel more trustworthy to me at times when I'm like all worked up. Okay, so the first one is the pendulum. Now, I will also tell you that I don't know why, but I can make the pendulum do anything I want. So a lot of people, you know, um, work with a pendulum that's a crystal and they just trust it and they know it'll give them a good answer. I am too uh, capable of moving the pendulum however I want it to go rather than getting an objective answer. So I can't do that. So I got a special pendulum that comes from Italy. And it comes from a place that's called, I think, Dominhar. So anyway, I'll try to figure that out and and see if there's any place to put that in the show notes. But anyway, you can look it up. I think it's called Dominar. And they have these pendulums that they say you cannot influence. And I have to say so far, so good. I really like it. I, I trust it. And I've had a lot of good experience with it. So anyway, but you can just use a crystal hanging from a chain or a string. Or you can use a necklace that you have on, anything that hangs that's kind of heavy enough to um, have movement. So uh, those are the things I recommend. And your string really needs to be at least six inches long. It doesn't have to be much longer than that. Sometimes you could use five inches. You could use up to eight inches, but you don't want this big, long thing hanging in front of you. Six inches is perfect, maybe a little less. So the first thing you have to do when you get to Uh, When you pick your pendulum out and you want to start using it is you have to determine the pattern your pendulum will use to give you answers. How will it communicate with you? You get yes, no answers. So you hold the string or the chain with the weight or the the pendant or the crystal hanging downwards. And then you ask the pendulum to show you what does yes look like. And then you ask what does no look like. Usual patterns are clockwise circle for yes, counterclockwise for no, or the pendulum might swing in a straight line, side to side, which is horizontal to your body for yes, up and down, or perpendicular to your body for no, or you might get a mix. For me, yes is the clockwise circle, and no is the perpendicular line going back and forth. Once you know what your answers look like, now you can ask a yes-no question and see what answer you get. On occasion, the pendulum won't move. And that means there's no answer yet, or things are up in the air, or there's some doubt, or 
you need more information to make the decision or some other things, right? But ultimately, this is a very simple process. Anyone can do it and get answers from their intuition because that's what you're really doing. You're channeling the intuition through the pendulum. Your energy is the driving force behind the way the pendulum makes a circle or a straight line to give you the answers you seek. So I really encourage you to try the pendulum. I think it's awesome. The second method I call the yes-no vision. This is a really simple tool that you can do anywhere because you don't need anything. It's just in your mind's eye that will help you get the yes-no answer pretty quickly. So what you're going to do is formulate your question, and of course it has to be a yes-no question, and then you close your eyes and imagine the word yes in your right hand. See how it feels. Is it heavy or light, hot or cold, white or black, strong or weak? Then see the word no in your left hand and notice what that looks or feels like. If the yes looks or feels better, then there's your answer. Let it be that simple. It really can be. The yes, no question with these ideas on what the yes looks like and what the no looks like is really simple. Anyone can do it. All right, now I want to talk about being smart and treading with care. So not all spirits have your best interest in mind. I'm not trying to scare you, but I want you to be smart about what you're doing to get the best answers for your highest good and the highest of all concerned. I encourage you to ask for the highest spirit helpers available. You might ask that they be 100% pure light or the highest available with pure intentions. Just because someone has passed on doesn't make them automatically smarter, spiritual, or advanced. It doesn't mean they know any more than you do. You want to be sure to work with the highest energy possible to get the best answers for yourself or anyone else. So before you start, say this little prayer or set an intention. State your desire clearly, like, I am seeking answers for the highest good of all concerned and myself or your friend's name. I call in my or our spirit guides, angels, and highest teachers to provide your insight and guidance for the highest good of all concerned. I ask to speak to spirits of 100% pure light or ancestors who are whole and healed. And so the same thing goes for your ancestors as other spirits that are no longer in a body. Your ancestors may have loved you and may have been great people, but that doesn't know they have the answers that you really need. So you want ancestors to work with you who are whole and healed and can give you the best advice. So don't worry. I'm not saying something bad's going to happen or somebody's going to get you or anything silly like that. But I do think if you're going to go through the effort, you might as well get the top quality advice that's available. You want the best. That's how I look at it. So now a moment on mischievous spirits. This prayer and intention becomes even more important when you're channeling because you don't want to open yourself up to just any spirit and allow them to use your voice or tap into your energy. So the Ouija board is a perfect example. A lot of people who work in the spiritual realm suggest not to use the Ouija board. It's a tool to get an answer and you can have the pointer that will, you know, it might go to the yes or the no, or it might spell out a long sentence letter by letter. But 
word has it that lower level spirits are drawn to work with the Ouija board because it's easy for them to get through to you. And that's why I don't advise it unless you are clear with your intention of who you're willing to speak to. So um, here's a story about one of my clients. She wasn't using the Ouija board. It was her own intuition. But Beth worked with her guides every day. She was very dedicated and well-practiced. She started getting these messages that her estranged brother, who she hadn't talked to in years, had died. And she wanted to know what was happening. So she came to me for a reading and asked about him. But all I heard was that he was still alive. I didn't get that he had passed on. So I wasn't sure about this. And I thought, let me ask a friend of mine. So I asked another psychic friend on best behalf after the reading was over. And I said, well, you know, what do you think about this? And she said she felt there was a mischievous spirit feeding off the energy and providing bad information. So I called Beth to tell her as a follow-up to the reading. And I said, you know, Maybe you should just give your brother a call and see if he, you know, if he answers. And she didn't want to do that. So I said to her, give me the number and I'll call. So I figured if he answered, uh, he was alive, right? So I called and I asked to speak to Bob. And he said speaking. And then I sort of talked a little bit. And then I did this childish thing and I hung up because I didn't know what to say. Because I was really just trying to prove that I thought he was alive and he was alive. So I'm embarrassed to tell you, I did hang up. It's relatively harmless, you know, antic in the big picture. So anyway, I told Beth the results of the phone call and suggested that she do a clearing, which I did an entire podcast on clearing episode number five, in case you want to learn more about that. Beth did follow through and clear the energy. And that was the end of getting bad information about her brother and that mischievous spirit, thankfully. Like I said before, just because they are dead or not incarnate in bodies doesn't mean they have good intentions or are there to be helpful. So be clear about what you're doing. Nothing bad's going to happen, but you might as well work for the highest good. If you're looking for information, if you're looking for answers and solutions, get all the top information you can get. So now you know what I did to connect with my own intuition and my long process, and some different ways that you might get information, and a couple of tools that you can try to get started. Connecting with your intuition is extremely helpful when you're trying to figure out what to do on your next step, what's your highest path, where are you going, what to watch out for, what to look for. So start practicing now, and you'll be so happy to gain access to this incredibly helpful and life-changing skill. So happy practicing and good luck with your intuition. Thanks for listening today. Don't forget to like this episode if you enjoyed it. Write a positive review if you feel inspired. And subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'll have more about love and magic next time. Until then, this is Oceana Fortuna reminding you to share your love and seek magic every day.